Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. An Erio's original. Hello and welcome to Web Crawlers, the podcast where we do a deep dive into some of our favorite unsolved mysteries. Each week we will introduce our topic, lay out our research and findings, reveal some conspiracy theories, and conclude with our own hypothesis. Who knows? We might even solve the case. We also have a special interview for this podcast. I'm Allie Siegel. And I'm Melissa Stetton. Before we deep dive into our main story, we're going to start off with the weird thing we discovered this week. The first one I'm really excited about. I'm sure you are. I actually don't know how I found it. I, I literally don't remember, which scares me because I found, it, I found it yesterday. <laughs> but Barney the dinosaur guy is now a tantric sex therapist. That's disgusting. It truly is gross. He said <laughs> that he learned he learned how to be a good lover from being in the Barney suit. What is that? No, that's gross. Isn't that perverted? He said no. that he learned he learned like the tenets of tantric sex when he was Barney the dinosaur because the show was all about like love and feelings and like human connection. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. I know. That's like a weird place to start. And okay, this is from a Vice article. His name is David Joyner. Um for the for $350, but the first the first versus one's free. First one's free. Oh. Which is the loophole so it's not prostitution. Oh. That's yeah, a so good like scam. the first one is consensual sex and then everything thereafter is 350. Oh so it's God. just kind of like a paid relationship or whatever. Cool. The female clients the only kind he accepts. Only female clients. Only female clients can expect a ritual bath, chakra balancing, a massage, and cosmic mind-blowing orgasms. Oh. <laughs> and he calls his clients goddesses. <sighs> and through these cosmic mind-blowing orgasms, he unblocks their energy. I found him on Facebook and there there was an event. We just missed it. Oh, it no. Women's Salon, Sexual Empowerment and the Philosophy of Tantra Fuck, featuring David Joyner. It was January 24th. He lives in L.A. Oh, my God. We need to sign. Does he have a newsletter? We need to sign up and go to his next thing. No, he has a Facebook. The, it was hosted at the Not So Secret Garden. Where is that? I don't know. <laughs> Ew, that sounds gross. I don't like it. But we should sign up for his newsletter and go to his next thing. Oh, okay. So anyways, he's a tantric sex therapist now, in case anyone's wondering. What is tantric sex? Great question. I know Sting does it. 
<laughs> I think it's when you delay your orgasm so that it's more powerful. Yeah, because it can last like hours, I think. Days even. Days? <laughs> I know. Did okay, it... wait. Tantric sex. It's about transcending both the sexual and spiritual planes by engaging in deeply meditative, spontaneous, and intimate sex. Like, the only thing I've heard about it is, like, it just takes hours. Like, I guess you yeah. meditate and then... I think it's just, like, about, like, the inti- intimate connection with someone else. Like, sexy meditation. Yes. Orgasmic meditation. Yeah. In Sanskrit, it means woven together. Sure it does. Uniting as one. That's so anyway, cool. popular tantric sex people staying in Barney the Dinosaur. Remember Barney the Dinosaur, there was like a rumor that he was in jail because he, he hid cocaine in his tail. No. And he would like give it to kids. I don't think no, it was Melissa. true. <laughs> but there was like, I heard that the Blues around. Clues guy died of a heroin overdose. But then that's not true because no, I saw him on, on Raya. He follows me on Twitter. What? Really? Steve. Yeah. Sup? No, he's alive. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, I know he's alive because we matched on Raya. Did you talk to him? I can't remember if I talked to him. Okay. Our next mystery. We, do, we have two just because they're shorter ones. Is um, a mashed potato <laughs> mystery that was happening in Mississippi. I love the article. It says it's a mashed Mississippi mystery. Fantastic. Copy. Um, in a, a small Mississippi community, bowls of mashed potatoes <laughs> kept mysteriously appearing everywhere on people's cars, porches, and mailboxes <laughs> on the streets. But why? Yeah. A woman said, she, I walked outside yesterday at 7 a.m., got in my car, and that's when I noticed a white bowl on my windshield. It was full of rainwater. I threw it away, and I was grossed out by it. Yeah. And then they kept finding him subsequently everywhere. And the Someone whole town is just like up, up in arms. They don't know who's doing it. Yeah. So some, some people think maybe they're poisoned to kill animals. Yeah, which is another crazy thing. And then someone said, I didn't taste it. I have a three-second rule, so I didn't touch it. But some people are worried. <laughs> that was our favorite part. three-second rule have to do with mashed potatoes? So bizarre. Um, but anyways, if you have any information about the mashed potato <laughs> murderer, or if you know anything about tantric sex. Yeah, I don't really know a lot about it. Yeah, please hit us up. Hit us up at webcrawlerspod at gmail.com or on Twitter at web- webcrawlerspod and Instagram of the same name. Yeah, DM us uh, pictures of you and your significant other having tantric sex. <laughs> cool. And we'll post, we'll them post the best on ones. our Patreon. Um, anyways, should we get on with our uh, episode? Yeah, let's let's get to the main story. Okay. They say there was once a game, a game unlike any other, that infiltrated arcades. There is a video game that doesn't exist. This is the next generation of video games, but these ones are not just for kids. It's called Polybius. Millions of people are addicted to hours of gazing at electronic images on games. In 1981. Around 1981. 1981. Video games are taking this country by storm. And the outskirts of Portland. Fucking Sinus lotion. Sinus lotion. Sinus lotion. Sinus lotion. And then there's Stephen Roach. The program was called Project MK Ultra. Poof. It disappeared. They've never been seen since. In this episode, we're discussing the legend of Polybius, an arcade game invented in 1981 that was supposedly the subject of a government run psychological experiment. It caused seizures, nightmares, and many psychoactive effects in the players. It was suddenly removed from the arcade by two men in black with no explanation. Was it an urban legend or a secret experiment to spy on our brains? Here is what you need to know. In 1981, a mysterious video game showed up in the arcades around Portland, Oregon. It was a black box with no name. The gameplay incorporated rapidly revolving kaleidoscopic puzzles with numeric shapes and subliminal messages that deeply affected the consciousness of some players. People who claim to have played the game or know someone who did say that the game caused anxiety, depression, night terrors, suicide, and even sudden death. Polybius was a Greek historian from circa 118 BC who analyzed the importance of the separation of powers in government weird choice for a video game name. Additionally, the company attributed to making the game was called 
Sinnesloschen, an incorrectly made German word which loosely translates to sensory deprivation. The players felt as if they were no longer in control of their thoughts after playing this game, but they were still being prompted to think negative thoughts, many of them feeling like they were a danger to themselves. Some people believe Polybius was a product of the CIA's MKUltra program, an experiment in mind control and physical agility targeting youth to recruit soldiers, like in the movie The Last Starfighter. Others believe it may have been recalled Tempest Prototype, which was a game known to cause seizures, but no one has ever been able to confirm its existence. According to legend, Men in Black began to show up to collect some form of data from the machines, allegedly testing responses to the game. It was reported that sometimes the Men in Black could be seen going into the cabinets, inspecting them, sometimes taking out unknown parts and quietly walking away. Oftentimes, they loaded them up in trucks and transported them elsewhere. Then one day, they took all the Polybius machines away and they were never seen again. Let's talk about some of the actual real things that happened in the 80s related to the Polybius claims. So, kids were getting sick from video games in Portland in November 1981. In the span of a week, three children got ill upon playing video games at arcades in the Portland area. There was a 14-year-old kid named Michael Lopez who got a migraine, the first he had ever had from playing Tempest. He said he felt a weird sensation in the back of his head, then his vision started going out. Then he threw up all over the parking lot. He couldn't speak or walk. At school, there were rumors going around that the game took over his mind. No one played it since. On the same day at the very same arcade, Brian Morrow, a 12-year-old trying to set the world record for asteroids for the longest time played, the previous record was 52 hours, fell ill after playing for only 28 hours only. He wore wrist guards and a tuxedo <laughs> and only drank orange juice and Coke. But I imagine the stomach pains were from probably only drinking orange juice and Coke for 28 hours straight. He had to spend the next two days in bed. Yeah, no kidding. A week later, 18-year-old competitive gamer Jeff Daly died due to a heart attack after chasing the world record in Berserk. One year later, 19-year-old Peter Burkowski followed suit for the same reason playing the same game. There was a government test on an arcade and the habits of its players as ruled by the Supreme Court in November of 1981. It was in Mesquite, Texas at Aladdin's Castle after Atari opposed a Texas ordinance that tried to ban children under the age of 17 from using a coin-operated game. The test was to study if video games were addicted enough to stop minors from playing them. Well, Allie, have you ever gotten sick from a video game? No. But... <laughs> I like how you phrase that, though. No, because I'm not a total nerd. But but there's so much of this that's interesting to me because, like, the causing epilepsy thing, I do have epilepsy. So right. I don't, like, I would have been a goner had I yeah. gone into one of these arcades. And because there's a, I told you, there's a Rihanna video I can't watch. Oh, right. It's that the, I still haven't seen it. It's one with all, like, the flashing, like, words on the screen. Yeah, I can't watch it. Oh. And I also am afraid to watch Pikachu. Or Pokemon. Oh, Pokemon. Yeah. So the two great loves in my life. Rihanna and Pokemon I can't indulge in. You must be so depressed. I'm really depressed all the time. But we actually, (laughs) (laughs) due to this, having nothing to do with the epilepsy, having everything to do with the Rihanna and the Pokemon stuff. Um, But we're actually really lucky. Because we just so happen to know someone. (laughs) Who's a video game aficionado. (laughs) <laughs> Someone who happens to have the world record in Anteater. Yeah, get yeah, that mic Maria. out. Our producer, Maria. I actually didn't know anything about this. Melissa. Yeah. We've got a, a famous celebrity. I also don't know what Anteater is. I have like so many questions. Isn't it like Dig Dug? I don't know. Maria's plugging in her microphone. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello. 
Yes, I have the world. Re- <laughs> <laughs> I have the world record in a in a 1983 video game or 82 video game called Ant Eater. How did wow. you achieve that? Well, my boyfriend is very into video games, okay. or like old arcade games. And so we have a Donkey Kong machine in our living room, but he can plug <laughs> different games into the like, oh, cabinet. Oh, that's And cool. so he had, he was like putting in different ones and like I would try each one and then he put an anteater one day and I just like was like really connected to it. <laughs> <laughs> You're in a group. I was like for some reason I was like doing really well like and he kind of just said well you're really like you're like I kept dying and stuff but he was like you're actually really good at this you should try to get good at this and so like whenever we'd be watching something that I maybe didn't want to watch on TV or something I'd sit down and I just start playing and it's basically I can show you guys a little bit I basically started just playing it every night for you know 30 minutes or whatever and getting really good at it and when I got good enough at it we looked up what the the high score was and it had been done in 1980 whoa uh hold on let me see hi wow okay so you type in this is how legit this is I typed in anteater high score and my name is the number one stop it yeah (laughs) oh yeah Maria Blasucci twin galaxies which is like the official Mm -hmm. like world record video game site so then this video that they have on here is the entire so once i got good enough we looked up the high mm-hmm. score and then i was like trying to beat that high score and once i beat the high score then we had to film it so that oh, it could right. be oh, shut up, really? to make it legit yeah so then i so i beat it a couple times but so like oh, this, this is a video is this you? you playing okay so that's like our donkey kong machine wait okay so that's like because you have to show that it's all legit you have to oh. show like and then so this is my boyfriend doing all this so then like he goes in the back and he shows that they can't, can't have another Billy Mitchell situation. Exactly. So that it's all like copacetic. We're all good. And then so he has to like show all of this. Oh, my God. Because then what happens is then I, we then we you send in the high score and then all of the video game guys vote as to whether it's legit or not. Right. Yeah. You're showing right now like the guts of the. Yeah. So then I sit down to play. And so we set up like a little GoPro. And so this is my game. Was it on play. your head? Was it like a helmet? No, with a no. He, he, put it onto the, he put it onto the Donkey Kong machine. So this is the game. So like you're this anteater and you have to go eat all your little dots without getting hit. You can eat the white ants from the front, but you can't eat the blue guys from the front. You can only eat them from the back. And if a blue guy or white guy touches your tongue, then you die. Oh my so God. it's kind of like a Pac-Man meets Anteaters. <laughs> how long were you playing it for? Yeah, so how this long is like take? thirty. This is like a thirty-minute. There is like twenty-five minutes. So yeah. So then I. So then we submitted it, and then they verified me, and then now I have a trading card. Shut Wait. Up. So that took you like thirty minutes to get the high score. Yeah. Wow. And so the last high score I think was in nineteen eighty-two. I think. Has anyone tried to challenge you since? No. So anyway, so yeah, I do come from, I I did get into that gaming world a little bit. Do you feel like the game helped you learn any skills that could be applicable to your real life? Just determination and hard work. (laughs) (laughs) And achieving your goals. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, other than that, no. I mean, maybe some hand-eye coordination or something. Because yeah, I think sure. the crossover, or at least, like, we're not there yet, but in terms of, like, my theories, it's, like, why, what are the point of video games? Right. Like, is it something that they're trying to teach us in real life? Right. So I'm wondering, like... Yeah, I I think they're just, they're cool. Like, I love puzzles, and I love, that's why I like this, that game a lot other than like like, yeah. like you're just like shooting ones. stuff i don't like yeah. that kind of stuff i like ones where i have to like assume things are going to happen or problem solve i like, like right. kind of stuff mm-hmm. yeah. i like to problem solve in games so that was very much like why that spoke to me that game it's like um what was that oh. movie with um all the bugs um a bug's life no <laughs> but it's it's like the bugs come and like an invade earth and then a alien it's like at this point so not important 
<laughs> I think I know what you're talking. Where about. The, Starship like, Troopers. Starship, Starship Troopers. Troopers. Yeah. Yeah. I was just gonna say like you would be like Neil Patrick Harris in that Aww, movie because yeah, you, yeah. I haven't seen it. <laughs> so we, it's a compliment. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm. Uh, you know, and my boyfriend Craig Anstett is very much in the video game world and knows. You know, basically, he, he knows it all. Does he have any high scores? Yeah. He has wow. a high score. We have, we're a high score couple. He has. We both have our trading cards framed. That's so hot. Oh, my God. Uh, his high score is in a game called Pepper 2. Pepper 2? Never heard of it. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Did you experience any side effects from your excessive anteater playing? Just kind of antisocial, um, <laughs> extreme focus. Wow. That's um, a plus, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I j- literally just put on like a podcast and play. I mean, it's like oh. really cool. Like once you get the hang of a certain game. Right. To like just like it helps you zone out. It's really nice. Interesting. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Thank you, Maria. Yeah. Might, thanks, Maria. Thanks for stopping back by. Later with some more questions. Thank you very much, you guys. No, thank you for <laughs> thank you for coming today. Oh, thank you. <laughs> wow. Insightful. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. So aside from the kids getting sick, some more actual things that were happening in the 80s, government agents did seize and load up video games in 1981 and 1982 on two separate occasions. Mm. They would take down the initials of high scores on games as a way to determine the names of possible eyewitnesses to on-site crimes they were investigating. Because apparently arcades in the 80s were popular places to sell stolen goods and gamble. Mm. So the government agents purchased games from Portland arcade operators wired them with cameras and microphones and set them up in an arcade in West Seattle to catch thieves. The agents thought that while the subjects were playing the game, they might unknowingly make incriminating statements, unaware they were being filmed and recorded. And the reason they used Tempest was because the smoked glass on the screen was ideal for hiding cameras. Hmm. So a few arcades went without Tempest games for a few days while the cameras were being installed. So people probably thought that was like very suspicious. Interesting. Uh, government agents also inspected the backs of certain games looking for cords that led to counters and other illegal apparatuses used in gambling. And on occasion, they removed unknown parts from games because of that reason. So how did this whole thing start? Well, in 2006, 
a post showed up on coinop.org, which is a popular gaming blog that's no longer active, from someone claiming to be the creator of Polybius. So this guy named Stephen Roach said he owned a company called Sinishlossen uh, in the Czech Republic that was set up by him and several other amateur programmers in 1978. They were approached in 1980 by a South American company to develop an idea for an arcade game with a puzzle element that centered around a new approach to video game graphics. Uh, They created the game and was told it was too intense and addictive, so they kept altering it, and it was finally accepted and placed in an arcade for a test run. But six days later, a 14-year-old boy had a seizure playing it. So the company directors went to the arcade to remove the game, uh, apparently, the company made a settlement to the boy's family, and Sinish Lawson was disbanded shortly after. Stephen Roach also wrote, I still believe we created something that should have changed the face of gaming and would have set us apart from the rest of the industry. But arcade games were often compared to drugs at that time because of their addictiveness, and we created something that small-minded bureaucrats perceived to be the heroine of the video game world. Its only crime was to be many years ahead of its time. Now you have you have a whole oh god I went down chain the Stephen of... Roach rabbit hole. Yeah, I want to hear your Stephen Roach rabbit hole because I think actually for this you and I have different theories. Yeah, I was looking up the Stephen Roach guy and trying to see how he's if he's a real person, right? Um, and then I found this magazine article from 2012 this retrocade article um about polybius and this reporter said that Stephen roach and his wife glenda were both former police officers from utah Mm. they were the security directors of a notorious behavioral modification center for teens called sunrise beach in baja mexico in 1994 parents would pay around 30 grand for their kids to be reformed using prison techniques. Uh, This academy in Mexico that they ran had 57 children between the ages of 15 and 18. They put them in solitary confinement. They beat them. They tortured them. They chained them. They put them in cages like dogs. They forced them to eat their own vomit and they sexually abused them. So two years later, in 1996, it was closed by Mexican authorities after three girls escaped and knocked on doors of nearby houses. Uh, the roaches were arrested on charges of illegally detaining children and running an unlicensed and unsanitary facility. They spent two months in jail and then they fled to the Czech Republic. And then in 1998, two years after that, they opened the Morava Academy in the Czech Republic, which is a similar type of academy. And it was also raided by the Czech police and shut down after allegations of child abuse. So the roaches were arrested again and charged. They were let out on bail, but they escaped the country and they've never faced trial. Holy shit, are they missing? Yes. So this would have been, if this was 1981, and the thing that he was doing in Mexico was when? It was the 90s? It was 94. So So this would have been the first experiment he ever did, I guess, with mind-altering stuff? Well, that's why I was thinking that he, after they got arrested in Mexico, like, why would they... to the Czech Republic unless he had previously lived there for 10 years working on this game. He he told Glenda, his wife is like, yo, I have like contacts in the Czech Republic. Let's go back there. Yeah. Open up another school. And that's what they did. But then they got arrested again because the 80s is when the Sina Schlossen was supposedly yes created and he would have been in his like late 20s, early 30s. So he worked at Sina Schlossen in the 80s. And then moved back. And then moved, that makes total sense. The That website where I found their address is the Family Tree Now website that I love I so love much. I love it when you go and on the Family Tree website. I found another site, PIPL.com. What is that? It's just the site where you find people's addresses and phone numbers. So I tried to find a Stephen and Glenda Roach living in Utah where they were police officers. And I found a 61-year-old Stephen Patrick Roach and a Glenda K. Roach. <laughs> Because this article in The Guardian said that they were 41 and 52 at the time. So I calculated their ages and they would have been born in 45 and 57. So these have to be the same two. They lived at the same address in Utah. (laughs) Oh my God, Melissa, you're so scary. And there's a bunch of different mailing addresses for the mostly in Utah, California, Alabama. 
But during 1993 to 1996, while they're running that Baja Mexico Academy, their address is listed as 8933 Cadillac Avenue, Los Angeles, California. Which makes sense if they were running an academy in Mexico. Yes. Having an address in LA makes sense. Where is Cadillac Avenue? That's like Pico Robertson, like mid-city. What if that's where the Cecil Hotel was or something? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that also kind of, because I had two theories and that kind of goes into mine. And maybe Stephen Roach is part of my theory too, is that he's part of the MK Ultra program, which is it started in, I think it started in the 50s in the US and also Canada where the CIA was doing different kinds of testing mm-hmm. on people in terms of like mind play and they're using like LSD oh, yeah. and all oh, sorts yeah. of crazy stuff to see how they can like control people's brains and stuff like that. And I think that like maybe Stephen Roach could have worked for the CIA or maybe he was part of this. Yeah. Yeah. Cause this MK ultra thing is kind of bizarre, which I hadn't ever heard, but this is like substantiated. Like people who are in the CIA have actually talked about like MK ultra and all the different things. Okay. Yeah. It was a CIA mind control program where experiments on human subjects were designed and undertaken by the CIA. A lot of them were illegal a lot of them use drugs. Mm-hmm. There was one that happened. Um, it was like called Operation Climax, where they did it in brothels, where they would give what? they would give people um, men LSD and then see how they reacted to like the women in brothels. See how they reacted. Yeah. So my. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I know. So my thing is that I think that maybe the Polybius machines were part of this MK Ultra. Yeah. Where they were testing, doing like mind control testing. And that instead of actually like dispensing LSD, that you had said, you know, the the game had kaleidoscopic right things that which could have like the same visual representation co subliminal messages in it these kids are under this mk ultra like umbrella and they're trying to test it out in like various generational levels like you know we'll test it out with you know the hippies and give them acid Uh and then with the kids we'll do it in arcade games and see how they can be affected you know we aren't going to give little kids acid but what if we do a video game that does the same kind of like effects of like what an LSD trip right. would be like. And then also do subliminal messaging and see how much, you know, they can stand of that and what the effects would be like. And a lot of these effects that they're feeling are the same as like PTSD from like a bad trip. Oh yeah. D- yeah. You know, like the headaches and like the vomiting headaches, and like vomiting night terrors. Yeah. Like freaking out. And then like the weird craving for more. So I think that these kids were unknowingly part of a government testing once the mk ultra i think it was in like the 70s that it got disbanded okay let's just take a a deeper dive into mk ultra for a second so i found some of these documents on the black vault which is a website that publishes all those okay so what is this website it's just a website i found that has all like twenty thousand of the documents from mk ultra and it has pretty much everything on it I would spend hours and hours reading through it, but I know I would. I mean, that's insane. They have a whole section for UFOs. Mm -hmm. So one of the documents is by a doctor with a redacted name. The document's from 1965. Dr. Melissa Stetton. (laughs) No. It's it's called, the document's called Remote Controlled Behavior with Rewarding Electrical Stimulation of the Brain. So the aim of this program was to examine the possibility of controlling the behavior of a dog by remotely triggering electrical stimulation of the brain so the dogs would run stop and turn but apparently there were bad side effects like infections at the electrode site due to the surgical wound not healing Mm. Uh, they used a helmet that embedded the electrode within the skull and they attach it to a harness on the dog. That'd be really obvious on a human. (laughs) (laughs) After implanting the electrodes in the dog's brain, a battery pack and a stimulator was added to the harness through which signals could be sent to the electrodes. The, The doctor said the uses 
for this type of experiment would be for dogs to carry ammunition and messages in dangerous terrain. You could use it as a guided missile to detonate from a distance and, and as a scout. That's so mean. But the control was limited to distances of 100 to 200 yards, which is not that far. They could use robots for that now. Yeah, so it was never utilized because they couldn't really find an actual purpose for it. But this still happened. Um, so we've talked about LSD, which was the main, I think, theme of MK Ultra is the use of drugs to yeah. control people's minds. Um, so the CIA administered LSD to mental patients, prisoners, drug addicts, and prostitutes. In one case, they gave a mental patient LSD for 174 days oh, straight. no. No. <laughs> they also gave it to CIA employees, doctors, government agents, and members of the general public, like you were talking the beach thing. Yeah. One CIA operative was given LSD in his morning coffee, became psychotic, and ran across across. He <laughs> ran across Washington, seeing a monster in every car passing him. And then a doctor who was given LSD jumped off a building after being given it unsuspectingly. And I read in one of the documents, they had like protocols for when stuff like this would happen. Yeah. Like things that they could, you know, prepare for. Yeah, which is crazy. And like That's liabilities. Insane. Yeah. I found out that Whitey Bulger, who's, you know, famous mobster, he said that while he was at Alcatraz in 1957, he was recruited for a project to find a cure for schizophrenia. There's a weird link between schizophrenia and MK Ultra. Yeah. They well this study it, it, the thought behind it was that schizophrenia was similar to LSD. Interesting. And so if they could find an antidote for LSD, then it would probably work for schizophrenia. Also, kind of makes sense. I think that they wanted to like implant voices in people's head to control their minds. Yeah. Which is, I guess, kind of what schizophrenia is. Yeah. Like having other voices in your head. Yeah. So maybe they found a link between there was a similarity between schizophrenia yeah. and mind control. Yeah, they, I mean, it seems similar because you're hearing and seeing things. Yeah, that aren't there. That don't exist. Interesting, okay. Uh, so the prisoners were used because they were bribed with shorter sentences if they volunteered. Crazy. Which is crazy. Uh, Whitey Bulger said that it was eight guys were injected with massive amounts of LSD once a week and were observed for 24 hours and given tests. Uh, he said he experienced nightmares, hallucinations, and paranoia. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. The doctors would hook them up to machines and ask questions like, did you ever kill anyone or would you kill someone? He said the test caused sleeping problems and nightmares that he had for the rest of his life. And he said everyone felt suicidal and depressed after the experiments. And that, yeah. that went on for about, I think, 18 months. That's crazy. Everyone, yeah. all the um, interviews I saw with people who were like test subjects for MKUltra all said they couldn't sleep without medication for the rest of their lives like they had severe trauma Yikes. um ken casey from one flew over the cuckoo's nest said he volunteered for mk ultra trials in college the cia eventually dismissed lsd as too unpredictable <laughs> have you ever done lsd no i have done mushrooms right which is similar i guess i know a lot of people who do lsd microdosing for anxiety yeah that's not the show, The Good Fight. It's, really? on, it's on CBS All Access. Uh, this, yeah, she takes, she does microdosing. I don't know if it's LSD or mushrooms or what. Yeah, it's. But I've been reading about it. Yeah, there's a book on it that a bunch of people I know it are reading. It scares me because I did mushrooms like in high school. Yeah, I did it for like a couple of years. I would do it like every few months. It was fun right and i would like see shit but it only lasted like four or five hours yeah it, it, it's not a long trip no right? depending on how many mushrooms you take uh but lsd I, I don't think i would ever do it it's just it's very chemical yeah but and also and, like, my friends who do lsd say that there's not they don't send it just makes them more chill which i feel like is the huh. opposite of what lsd everything i've ever heard about lsd yeah i don't know I don't know. Either. I don't know. Okay, this one is the most interesting. Oh yeah, thing. Ted Kaczynski said he volunteered while he was at Harvard in 1958, and he went to Harvard when he was like 15 or 16. That's nuts. Uh, he was involved in one of their interrogation studies, so he had to, along with 22 other people, write an essay about their dreams and aspirations. 
They were then led into a room where electrodes were attached to their heads, and then they were subjected to extremely brutal psychological attacks as their essays were read back to them and criticized. So they basically were just like, oh, these are your dreams? Oh, well, they fucking suck, and you fucking suck too. Like, they would just scream at them, like, for hours and hours. And then they were forced to watch a video of themselves being psychologically attacked. So they would record that, and they would play it back to them for hours and hours and ted kaczynski said that this experiment is what drew him into to live in isolation so become the unabomber yeah so the cia basically created ted kaczynski so it's the idea of if you break someone down hard enough through trauma yes could you build them back up with a dependent it's like emotional abusive relationships yeah it's all for interrogation like can you yeah, basically. Could you break someone? Yeah. It's like um, Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. Could you break someone down hard yep. enough using trauma and then build them back up but force them to be- depend on you because they're mm-hmm. you're the only thing they have? Yeah. But it's the government doing that through yeah. testing. Yeah, no wonder he became the Unabomber. So there so. is a correlation between the government and arcade games coming together. Yeah. Yeah, that was interesting. It was um, Atari and the Army... It was called um, Battle Zone, mm-hmm. and it was created by Ed Rotberg, who apparently I've read in a few places was the key programmer also in Polybius. Oh. His name is popped up in a few places. Oh, when that's reading. interesting. Yeah. So if there is a correlation between like the government and arcade games, oh. it could possibly be like something in this sphere where they're trying like how to. Well, that's what that movie, The Last Starfighter yeah was about it was about recruiting um a kid who he got the high score on this game called starfighter and then he meets the game's designer who's like they create it as a training ground to develop and recruit actual pilots for a a war in space and that's what the atari thing was the atari was a battle zone yeah battle zone was like a training program so maybe polybius was also Mm -hmm. some sort of weird subliminal messaging intellectual training program Mm -hmm. to see how much they could withstand Right. Psychological damage. Right. You know? Apparently they couldn't. They couldn't. So they wiped it all out. <laughs> Another mission failed. Mission failed. Another possible thing that I thought it was was maybe it's just the Mandela effect. Right. That's a good yeah. theory. Because, you know, like the Berenstein Berenstein. Yeah. What the fuck? What is the official spelling? Bear- it's Stain. S T A I N. It's not Stain. Which is, that's insane to me. That is insane. But I think maybe for some reason, generationally, we think that Polybius was a machine, like a gaming console growing up that we would see in arcade games. Right. But we're just getting it mixed up with something else. And it's just a Mandela effect. Well, there is a game that a German company created in 1985 called Polyplay. So maybe... That, that could be it. And so it was a collection of eight games, including a puzzler and a space shooter. So maybe people got confused because the if you Google polyplay, it's like the same font as the Polybius, the P-O-L-Y. Interesting. So that's also like maybe people got confused because like the government was actually taking, like coming in and taking those Tempest games to put cameras in. So right. that was actually a thing that was happening. And so in the arcades, we're getting raided by the feds for gambling. So maybe kids kind of put two and two together and they were like fascinated with this like super dangerous game. Made their own a religion. And they made, yeah. Sorry, I'm um, just this Baron, this Baron Stain <laughs> Bear thing. Have you not heard of that before? No. Oh, what? No, your life's oh, going to be ruined. Oh, I just ruined your day. Okay, so that's the Mandela effect? The Mandela's effect yeah. is we remember things differently differently than how they actually are but at like generationally like a whole generation remembers it differently the bear it was the berenstein bears that's right. what i thought and i just looked and it's berenstein yeah i know that's i know are you not okay i'm shocked like i'm literally yeah i thought shocked. i was i was trying to find i love witnessing this for the first time for someone you didn't know about no this? This was, this is like going around like the internet like a while, but there's also you know the Shack, the Sinbad as a genie in a movie, Kazam, Shazam, Kazam. Well, Shack was in Kazam, Kazam. But do you remember Sinbad being a genie in a movie? <laughs> do you remember? <laughs> there's a whole no. okay. 
Oh, really? Oh, see, I remember. I remember it being Sinbad. Distinctly Sinbad wearing a genie costume in a movie. And everyone's like, yeah, Sinbad played a genie in a movie. But no, that never fucking happened. Interesting. Never happened. The one thing that someone did find was that he hosted a TBS in the 90s, like a day of movies or something. Oh, really? Or a genie costume. Which is what I think okay. everyone was thinking of. But that's weird that everyone would got. I, I oh my god, I need to do tw- twenty examples. Here's a BuzzFeed article that will make everything easy it's for us. Fucking crazy. How Why would everyone think? Every single person would think it was Berenstein. I know. I'm sending you an article right now that's gonna make you freak out. Darth <laughs> Vader never says, "Luke, I am your father." He doesn't. No, I swear to God. Forrest Gump never says life is like a box of chocolates. Yes, he does. No, he yes, doesn't. Yes, he fucking no, does. No, he doesn't. Hannibal Lecter never says hello, Clarice. Yes, he does. He doesn't. Forrest Gump says he doesn't say that. No, that's oh my impossible. My mom always said life was like a box of chocolates. You never. Where did that fucking quote come from? And the reason it's called that is because a whole generation of people thought that Nelson Mandela had died. They remember him dying. In, j- in jail, he hadn't, obviously. What? My mom always said, life was like a box of chocolates. Life was. Was instead of is. You never know what you're going <laughs> to He get. fucking says it. <laughs> life was? Was instead of is. Life is that's, like... a, that's, too, that's too small of okay. one. That's not, okay. I wouldn't count that as Mandela effect. Um, MK Ultra. Right. <laughs> So I think one of my main theories is that definitely that these were part of a mind control or subliminal messaging experiment to a younger demographic of people under this MKUltra campaign. So I also read a theory. So this first showed up on coinop.org in 2000. It got so much attention that some people think that the creator of CoinOp made it up himself because it was picked up by a bunch of gamer magazines and everyone went back to CoinOp to read it. So the site got a lot of traffic. Okay. That's a less popular theory, but it kind of makes sense. Wait, what was the theory? (laughs) Did you say it? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, no, the creator of CoinOp. Oh, the Korea. Okay, that was your... Made it up himself. Oh, got it. In the okay. year 2000 to get traffic. Oh, to boost to, traffic. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so he wanted yeah. to boost traffic to his website, so he made up the... He made up like a fake name and then... Got it. Which kind of makes sense. Yeah. I guess. Is that your leading theory? You know, it might be. Do you think these machines ever existed? I mean, there are pictures of them online that like people have made. Right. It sounds like a game that would exist. I know. I really and like think... I tried to find the origin of like the story and it, it everyone says it comes from coinop.org, the year 2000. Apparently people are like, no, we've been talking about it since the 80s and 90s. But I can't, I mean, nobody knows exactly where it started. So Right, and it's hard like before the genesis of the internet to figure yeah. out how it actually Yeah, because the internet didn't come around until like, you know, late 90s anyway. The stuff going on at that time, like the gambling and the government coming in, like maybe just people kind of made up their own stories and maybe this guy was like kind of into the story too and was like, well, I'll just post something about it and see if anyone knows what I'm talking about. And then this crazy guy, Stephen Roach, was like, yeah, I designed it. That is possible. But also if this Stephen Roach guy is the same guy who kidnapped all these children and is still missing to this day, probably Although hiding dangerous, out in the Bahamas. Maybe our next line of research is to try yeah. to find a Stephen Roach. Stephen and Glenda, if you're out there, we're coming for you. Maybe we try <laughs> to find Stephen Roach, and then also maybe we try to find someone who's associated with the MK Ultra CIA campaign. Oh. If you're out of the CIA, are you allowed <laughs> to talk about the stuff you were? Oh, What's the NDA question. associated with being in Ooh, the CIA? Probably not, right? You can't just go like writing blogs about it. Yeah, you can't just go sexist on Tumblr about your time in the (laughs) CIA. You can't tweet about all the mysteries. My boyfriend says that he first heard about Polybius in the nineties, and I said, I said early or late, and he said mid to late. Interesting. Oh, weird. Where did he hear about it? And now 
Maria actually did an interview with her boyfriend Craig, who knows a lot about video games. Here it is. <laughs> Hi everyone, this is producer Maria on location with a arcade aficionado. Of arcade aficionado, Craig Anstett. Hi Craig, how's how's it going? It's great, thank you. So, Craig, you're in the arcade world, and when I told you that one of our episodes was about Polybius, you had some things to say about it, mostly that you you don't believe it's true. No, I don't believe that's true. And in the, the gaming world, no one believes it's true? It's like a fun myth. No one really thinks. It's kind of like the Loch Ness Monster. No one really believes. Or that Bigfoot footage. Everyone knows it's not real, but it's fun to be like, hey, I'm really into Bigfoot. Have you seen the footage? You know, like if you're like a Bigfoot, aficionado the first thing people bring up when you mention that they go oh yeah that footage and you're like yeah that's fake so on the the message boards and stuff do people have footage no there's no footage it doesn't exist does anyone on the message boards ever say they were part of polybius or they knew someone um occasionally somebody will chime in and say that like oh they located one and but it's always somebody who's not a longtime member of the forums you know it's someone you know, just popping in, they have one or two posts and they're like, hey, I just found a, it's like, come on. There's been a couple times where people have faked, like where they where they get like a vintage arcade cabinet mm-hmm. and they strip it down and they paint it and they try to act like it, it was. But of, of course, the circuit boards are always missing. It's just the shell of the cabinet. Right. So... It is crazy that this can this got so far as to still be this rumor when most people in the world of arcading, arcading is that an arcading's okay? nice. I like that. And most people in the world of arcading don't believe it to have happened. So you know there there's people out there I guess that that vouch for it. But when it comes to the arcade guys, nerds, if I you you guys are, it doesn't matter. Nerds like a cool thing now. Yeah, you guys are and girls are very much like, no, it's definitely not true. Yeah, no. It was kind of like this um, urban myth that was created from the fear tactics that were pushed by pearl-clutching whatever Puritans back then. When, and this is like late 70s? Space Invaders, which was around 78, I think. That's when it really took off in America. And that's, there were arcade games before that, but they weren't, they didn't really have, like like Pong, you couldn't play that with one person. Mm-hmm. So it was like, you know, it didn't really. But then when Space Invaders came out, that was like, you're against the machine. The machine was actually, they, they finally got to the point where the machine was smart enough, you know, in a primitive way to fight back. And then that's when arcade games really took off. And people were freaked out, like uh, moms and dads, because kids were dumping so much money into the games that they, it, it, it's, almost like, um, it's almost like heavy metal music where they were like, this is corrupting our youth. It's the same thing that you've heard, you know, you've heard with video games even now. They're like, you know, this causes violence. That started in the late 70s. They're like, oh, it makes boys more aggressive. You know, they're stealing to, to sell items, to get money to play video games. So basically you create this fear around it. And then there's actual legitimate stories of, you know, some kid somewhere having an epileptic seizure because he's playing a video game. Right. There's that. And then there's like a kid... Uh, dropped out of a, or an older man dropped out of a heart attack because he was so excitedly playing so all those stories you know build the myth and then people go oh yeah it was a government thing you know it was like plus it i don't know if it's i'm sh- i'm not sh- positive but i think that myth was started around the time that that last starfighter movie came out where it's a like aliens put an arcade game in like uh i believe it's a trailer park they put it like they put this video game there in order to find whoever the best is at playing that game, then they know there'll be a good starfighter pilot. So then they come to Earth and kidnap the guy and make him fight in their military. Right. And so it's kind of like tied to that. Like, let, I don't know. Let me ask you this, though, because a lot of people believe that this was part of MK, an MK Ultra plot. Do you think that's a possibility? Well, I would want nothing more than for that to be real i don't know i mean i but I, you know mk ultra is real yes i do so and you know that they are now making video games for kids to join the army basically yeah, and stuff yeah. so i mean it's not that far-fetched if you think about it if you go back in time and put 
No, this is true. I'm sure when video games came about, um, yeah, there was like, you know, Atari was this like basically a company basically run by a hippie, you yeah. know, Nolan Bushnell. There was all a bunch of hippies like that. And it was all about like peace and everything. And then the military came in. They're like, hey, we realize the power of these games. So can you make one that's a trainer for, I mean, obviously that's a trainer for an actual existing military vehicle. Um, but there were a couple of employees that uh, left Atari because of that, because they didn't want to be involved with military. So, I mean, you could, uh, it, it, I just don't think, there, uh, the myth around Polybius is that it's this thing that's going to mentally hypnotize you. And I don't, you know, who knows, but it just, it was so primitive at that time. When did it, when, when is it supposedly come out? When, when did that exist? I'm not sure. Because I mean, like the first color video game was... 79 i believe but they were doing mk ultra in the 70s so why not you know well right but i'm saying if the it depends on when the myth starts because if the first color video game comes out commercial color video game comes out in 1979 which is galaxian i mean you can only assume because the rumor is you know polybius used these flashing colors and that's how it triggered this mind control it would have to be post 1979 right right well i guess that is probably right because the yeah, I think that rumor did start like in the mid '80s, so that would make sense. What? It just seems like I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, it just seems like a, a little obvious of a myth. Yeah, the more like an urban legend than. Um, it, I mean, yeah, I, a video game that uses flashing color, like you put your quarter in, yet there's no photographs. No kid had ever taken a photograph in front of a game. No kid was proud to get the high score and took a picture of the screen. No, you know what I mean? Like, no, nobody else knew about this. You know, I mean, I mean, you can just keep going with these conspiracies. You can say, oh, well, you know, the government killed whoever, you know, you could, you can just, anything could be true then, really. Well, it's great. You know, thank you so much. We really appreciate hearing from someone on the front lines of the arcade world. Um, Yeah, front lines. yeah. Yeah. The front message boards. Yeah. So you heard it here that. According to Arcadians, <laughs> Polybius does not exist. Well, Craig, thank you so much, and thank you for being part of Web Crawlers. I'm happy to be here. Bye. Bye. No, I think I, I, I know that I think the general consensus is that it's not a real thing maybe, or that it's just a myth. I a hundred percent do think that's like a Manchurian candidate <laughs> <laughs> testing Mandela candidate subliminal messaging eighties, nineties phenomenon that the government was doing on a generation of kids. But if you guys have any ideas, let us know, let us know, Melissa, <laughs> yes where where can people give us their ideas about polybius because i think we we want to know more yeah on twitter at web crawlers pod same same at instagram you can email us web crawlers pod at gmail.com yeah and if you're in the cia feel free to contact us and we won't let anyone know anonymously send us from an anonymous aol email address yeah get a burner email address or burner phone if you're in the cia and let us know because i i gotta get to the bottom of this anyways thank you so much for listening (laughs) i'm ali siegel and i'm Melissa stetton keep sleuthing so sleuth until you darn tootin bye My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. 
What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.